Y'all good? It's good to be here tonight. I'm excited. Y'all glad to be here? Do you like who you're, do you like who you're sitting next to? Oh, it's going to be a rough night. I hope so. It's going to be a long night. I got, a, I got a lot to say tonight. I hope that's okay with you guys. And uh, unfortunately, I feel like most of it God gave to me around uh, 2 o'clock this afternoon. So forgive me if, if I'm uh, <laughs> looking at my notes a lot. Uh, but we'll go with it. Y'all okay with that? All right. Well, uh, I'm excited because tonight I, I've got a few minutes where I want to talk to you about where I believe God is taking us for uh, this next coming year. And I've kind of let a couple weeks go by since school has started and since kind of the new year has, has been fresh because I want to see, you know, who is with us for the remainder of, you know, either this year as in now to December or even into May. It depends on what, if you want to go by calendar year or school year. We don't know. We just pick whichever one we feel like it. Uh, but I really just kind of wanted to see, you know, who's, who's rolling with us and, and let the people that go to schools in other states go back to where they came from, you know, uh, because this is our crowd. You're going to text all your friends that go to schools in other states and tell them we don't want them here. Uh, it's a joke. So I've waited, uh, waited a few weeks, and now I'm ready to kind of unroll for you uh, where I believe God has given us vision, where I believe he wants to take us, and what's going to be happening. Some really just some big kind of 30,000-foot view vision, but also some real practical things that we're going to go into for the year and some things that you guys can jump into and be a part of. I'm super pumped. So um, I think it's important to note, I loved last week. Anybody here last week? It was unbelievable. One of uh, my friends was up here with me on stage, Hassani, and uh, he gave an incredible word. Wasn't he good? That was good stuff. If you missed last week, you need to get on the podcast and check it out. But um, shameless plug, podcast. <laughs> No, uh, it was really good, and one of the things that he talked about, we talked about unity the whole night, but he mentioned in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he mentioned the scripture that talks about, you know, there's all different parts of the body that serve a purpose, but we all come together, we unify together to serve one purpose, and that's the body of Christ, and uh, so I'm excited to talk about how, like, doesn't matter where you're from, doesn't matter your background, race, ethnicity, culture, uh, you know, whether you come from a good home, a bad home, or whatever, uh, you serve a purpose, uh, not just individually, like an individual calling that God would give to you, but also uh, universally, like with well, us corporately as a body of Christ, each of you has a role to play in the mission of God for his church and for this community. And so that's where I'm going to go for uh, the next few hours. Hope you guys are okay for doing an all-nighter here. It's going to be a good night. So let's go uh, to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We're going to put a few verses on screen if you want to just look up there. Uh, Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 is what I'm going to read out of. You ready? It says this in Romans chapter 12. It says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test 
and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I love verse 1 because right out of the gate, it, it emphasizes the importance of what is your motivation. What's our motivation? It says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. So it is a view of God's mercy. In other words, it's in, in view of what he has done for us that fuels our mission. It's in view of God's mercy. I don't know if you've noticed, but really anything in life requires a motivation uh, for why you want to get there. Whatever goal it is that you're setting in life requires a motivation for why you want to reach that goal. If it's a, my goal is to graduate with this degree, then you've got some sort of motivation for why you want to get there. Hopefully it's not just because, well, my parents are wanting me to do this. Hopefully you've got a little bit of a motivation behind why that is your goal. i got to get this degree because my goal is to get a job in the career or in the calling that I believe God has led me to. Or, or I, I'm going to be, my goal is I want to be the first person in my family to graduate from college. And so that's why I'm going after this. Or I have a, another goal down the road of becoming a nurse one day. So that's why my goal is to go to college and get this degree. If your goal is to be promoted in a job, well, what is it that's driving you to that promotion? If being promoted will give me the opportunity to have more influence in the company or being promoted will give me the opportunity to lead other people or being promoted will give me the opportunity to have more financial freedom in my life. Whatever it is, you have a goal that's pushing you toward that mission. And Paul urges other Christians in Romans chapter 12 to let God's mercy, in other words, his salvation, what he's done for you, the mercy he's lavished upon you in the offer of salvation, the offer of a rescue, to let that be the fuel. For what is the question? To let it be the fuel for what? Verse 1 continues and it says, that you would then offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. I love this verse because it leans into the demolishing any type of casual Christianity. Like you don't read that and go, oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Man, I have to remind myself that following Jesus is an invitation to a life fully surrendered to him. Following Jesus is an invitation to a life fully surrendered to him. It is not an invitation for him to take a ride with you through life. It's not an invitation for him to join you in the passenger seat. It's an invitation for him to be the driver and you to take a ride with him. It's offering yourself going, God, I'm all yours. However you want to use me, my life is yours. A living sacrifice. I'm fully surrendered to you, whatever you want to do with me, I'm all yours. It's not a casual Christian thing. But he says, I urge you, in view of what God has done, to offer yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And then it says that this is your true and proper worship. In other words, lifting your hands and singing a song is beautiful and great and it's biblical, but so is a life of obedience. I love worshiping, 
but you worship even more so when you walk out of here and choose to follow him. This is your true and proper worship. Then it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Wow, how important is it that our minds be renewed? There is a pattern of this world to life. There's a pattern to living that this world would offer you that is the way that is telling you to go. And so many people get sucked into it, but this says, but be transformed, not you, not you. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing is not a one-time thing. It's an ongoing process. Being transformed is not a one-time. It happens in the moment that you become a believer. You become indwelled with the Holy Spirit. But it is then a transformational process, a journey that you are getting into. Which, by the way, is good news. It's good news that we're not expected to be perfect overnight. It's good news that Jesus actually desires to come into your life and walk with you on the journey. Anybody want to say amen to that? It's good news that the expectation is that you go here, here, and then you better be perfect. The good news is that Jesus wants to walk with you and actually wants to transform you, that it's a journey, it's a process. And then verse 2, it says, Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Then you will be able to walk in his will. And so for this ministry, for us, for C12, our goal, really for our church, is personal transformation. Our hope, our prayer is that you would see your life being transformed. We want to see lives transformed. I can point to dozens of you in this room that I've watched this take place. I can point to many of you. I remember the first time I met you here at C12. And I've watched your life begin to transform as you've asked God to do that. That's our hope. That's our prayer that you would be transformed. But here's the reality. Transformation can take place in this room. I believe it's part of why we gather in this room. But it, whenever it is combined with what happens outside this room, it has a multiplying effect. If you begin to search and seek for transformation outside of this room, I promise you God will do more with your life than if you just come in here and say, all right, I'm giving you Thursday night. No, 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 no. God, I give you Thursday night, Friday morning, Saturday morning, Sunday night, whenever. I give it all to you. And I'm looking to be transformed every day of the week. And so that's why we want to help you here at C12. We want to help you engage your faith in many different ways. We hope Thursday nights here, we hope an, an hour, hour and a half service, three hours, four hours, whatever I choose to do. We hope that it is transformational. We hope that it changes you. That where we wouldn't do it if we didn't hope that. But we also want to partner with you in a faith journey. And we believe that that can take place in a couple of different areas. And so I want to encourage you in two different areas tonight and let you know about two different things that we're really going to lean into uh, in the next year or so. And then we'll gather back together maybe this time next year and say, what do you want to do, God? Do you want to change something? But I believe that these are the two areas that we're really going to lean into hard. And the first one is this, grow. We're going to lean into grow, what it looks like for you to be a part of growth on an individual basis in a way that we have never leaned into before. We want to encourage you to a life of intentional growth. 
on this journey because the truth is this, it will take intentionality. If you've been following Jesus for any amount of time, you, I think, I think the, the natural desire is that spiritual growth would just kind of happen organically, that it would just kind of happen. Like, all right, God, now you do it. But I believe there is a partnership with God that requires our intentionality to lean into how he wants to grow us and to what it looks like for us to grow up and to mature in the faith. And so it's going to require some intentionality on your part, and we want to help you through that. And so a couple ways, just real practical, that we want to help you do that is first thing you've heard us talk about for a few months now is what's called the how-to experience. And we've kind of just given it to you in an announcement form or whatever, but I want to talk to you a little bit about it tonight because the how-to experience is something that our church does like for all ages. Um, well, not little kids, I don't think, but you get what I'm saying, like adults. And um, we offer it, and it's essentially a three-week training course. It's, it's a, okay, I want to dive into some intentional growth. And so we offer this three-week training course, and it kind of it lays out for you God's pattern for living. We said that the, the world has a pattern for, for life, but our calling is to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so in these three weeks, we lay out what is God's pattern for life. If the world has a pattern, then what is God's pattern? And so this happens at all of our campuses. We have eight campuses here at 12 Zone, and so many of you are involved all across them. But it happens at all of our campuses on, uh, I think they're on different nights depending on what campus you go to. But uh, we want to help you engage with that because I believe it's an incredible tool. It's incredible training that you can benefit from uh, to have pastors from our church pouring into you in that way. And so that's called the how-to experience uh, lets you know how to, okay, how to walk with God. You see the name? It's real clever. Um, but, yeah, we do that. The second way we want to help you grow is something you've heard us talk about uh, that is brand new to us. But I believe it is something that God's been stirring in my heart and in the heart of our community for really about a year now. And so we're rolling it out this semester, and we're calling it Discipleship. Discipleship at C12. And um, I want to read to you some scripture in Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20, and it says this. Yeah, great. It says, all authority in heaven, this is Jesus talking, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Then it says, therefore go. I love that. I love that he says, all authority has been given to me, now go. That's the next command. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely... I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so we're focusing on this. Therefore, go and make disciples. What does that, what does that mean? What is a disciple? I wrote it down this way. I'll read it to you. A disciple is someone who wholeheartedly follows the life and example of Jesus, who makes his mission their mission, his values their values, and his heart, their heart. A disciple is someone who desperately seeks to be like Jesus. A disciple is someone who finds their entire identity, purpose, and meaning in Jesus. Jesus is the center of their lives. They are all in, fully committed. And so the call on our life is to make disciples. It is to first be discipled and then to make disciples. Now, 
I say that and listen to that, and automatically there is an intentionality to that that I have to ask myself, am I participating in that? I don't know about you, but sometimes I look at even my life as a believer and go, I think I'm just kind of rolling through the motions. And where is making disciples a part of that? I mean, I can even stand up here and preach, but I have to evaluate and go, am I making disciples? And am I helping you, equipping you to make disciples? Are you becoming a disciple? How are we doing in that? And I think the goal is that we would just naturally like all just, yeah, this is natural. This is what we do as Christians. And so we're going to go out and disciple people and help people know what it means to follow Jesus. And I'm going to get someone in my life that can help me grow and help me. I think we just want it to organically happen, but it doesn't happen like that. And so our desire as a ministry is to go, okay, well, if it doesn't just organically happen, then how can we maybe put some structure to it to set it up so that it does happen? And so what we believe God's called us to do is set it up where you can engage in a one-on-one relationship with someone who's committed to discipling you, who's committed to going, hey, I want to make disciples. You want to make disciples. Let's go at this together and let's figure out how we can grow to become more like Jesus, how our lives can begin to look like Jesus. And I just know, especially at this age, sometimes you look around at your friends and you go, who is helping me grow? And then you look at where's your influences and you go, who am I helping? And so we just want to kind of dive into this together. And I'll be honest with you, it's, we don't exactly know how it's going to go. We, ha- we have a pretty good plan. We believe God's given us and we're going to go for it. And it may be messy as we go. But I believe this is what it means to make disciples. Is that we get in this. And that you have time with someone to go, I want to look more like Jesus. Help me look more like him. Someone that can lead you through life's problems, through whatever's happening in your life, and help you know how God wants to be involved in it. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says this, When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. When I became a woman, I put the ways of childhood behind me. The point of the verse is this, that there comes a day in your life when you decide, I want to grow up in spiritual things. I want to go deeper in spiritual things. I want to get on this journey of growing. And in fact, growth never stops. It's not like you arrive at some place like, good, I'm done. I've grown all I can grow. No. Growth is what we're desiring. And it's great. If you're a new believer in here, if you just came to know Jesus yesterday or last week or, or five years ago, I don't know, whatever it is, it's great. That, that's what it means to be a child. You're young in faith. Awesome. So proud of you. But the hope and the prayer is that eventually you grow up in maturity and grow in what it means to follow Jesus. When you're new in faith, when you become a believer, a follower of Jesus, we call that sometimes a convert. You're a convert. You've decided to leave your old life behind, whatever that was, and become a follower of Jesus. That's a convert. You're converted to faith. But there's a difference in a convert and a disciple. Many people stop at being a convert, and they never enter into the journey of being a disciple. And so I wrote down a few things, the differences between converts and disciples. Can I share them with you? Good, because I was going to anyways. Here we go. First, Converts are believers who look like the world. Disciples 
are believers who live like Jesus. Converts are focused on their values, interests, worries, fears, priorities, lifestyles. Disciples are focused on what Jesus wants for their life. Converts go to church. Disciples are the church. Converts are involved in the mission of Jesus. Disciples are committed to advancing the mission of Jesus. Converts cheer from the sidelines. Disciples are in the game. Converts hear the word of God. Disciples live the word of God. Converts follow the rules. Disciples fall in love with Jesus. Converts are content with believing. Disciples are passionate about transforming. Converts are comfortable. Disciples make sacrifices. Converts rest in the fact that they're saved. Disciples help make more disciples. You see, you can convert to Christianity and go to heaven when you die because you're saved. But it's different when you become a disciple. You say, you know what, I'm in this. I'm in this journey. What does it look like for me to be a, to, for me to be a disciple? And so we're launching this, and um, we'd encourage you, if, if that sounds something like something you want to be involved in, then uh, we want to help you be a part of it. And uh, I'll give you some information at the end of the, the service of how you can jump into that. But that's something we're passionate about. That's something that we believe God's led us to. The second thing I said that, one, we want to grow. Two, we want to serve. Two, we want to serve. We want to help you serve. We believe that serving is a part of who we are as followers. If you come around 12 Stone, you may know or recognize the phrase live sent. We've been saying that now for, uh, I don't know, I guess like a year or so. I have no idea, timeline, but we've been saying it now. And so... You may have heard live sent before. We really believe that God's mission for us, the church, for us, for you and I, is to live beyond the walls of this building. That he's calling us to live sent. That we can gather in here, we can be inspired, we can even experience the presence of God. But eventually it's got to go outside these walls. And I believe part of the, how the enemy is attacking our faith is because Christians are so sheltered in the walls of the church and we're not living outside the walls of the church, how God's called us to live. So we believe that we're called to live sent. And here's what I want you to know. You can't live sent without a heart to serve. It's impossible to live sent without a heart to serve. You cannot say, I want to live on mission, Lord. I want to be your hands and feet. God, send me out. I want to live sent. And then he responds, okay, great. Will you go serve at the homeless shelter? And you say, ah, that sounds kind of dirty and gross. You can't say, I want to live sent. God, send me out. I'm here. I'm yours, wherever you want me to go. And then not have a desire to serve people. You understand? Serving and living sent. Go together. And so I want to just give you real practical a few ways that we're going to offer you opportunities to serve. And the first is in kind of the outreach department. Um, department as in like the outreach category. I'm really excited to do something pretty new to us that we haven't 
really gotten into before that I believe is going to be transformational for our community. Uh, we want to offer you guys this year, we want to offer opportunities for you to get involved in serving locally. We believe that God's put us on map, on mission for a reason here in this area. And so there are opportunities for us to go out and serve beyond these walls. And so we're already looking and working with a, um, a nonprofit organization called Path Project who serves underprivileged kids in the area and what they're doing in the area and how we can get involved. And we're looking at an opportunity on September 29th, it's Saturday, where we can go and help serve them and be a part of these kids' life and encourage them. But just to get outside the walls and to be the church, can we do that? And to stop just coming in here and having like a little uh, Christian huddle but to then take what we get here and take it out there. And so we want to give you opportunities. That's just one that we know of that we believe is coming up soon. We want to we'll give you more information uh, as the weeks come ahead. But uh, we want to do more of that. And so that's something that we're going to be offering this year that we would love for you guys to engage in. The other thing that we do uh, every year is we do global mission trips. Raise your hand if you've been on a global mission trip with C12, with C12. Come on. All right. Got a few of you in the room. We've done a, a couple. We've been to Kenya two years ago. And then uh, last year, well, two years ago, we started going to Cambodia together. And then last year, we went to Guatemala and Cambodia. So we took two trips last year. Woo! It's the same person every time. All right, Jack, I got you. Um, so <laughs> we took a trip to Cambodia and we took a trip to Guatemala and taking uh, several of you guys to those countries and serving over there with some mission organizations. So I'm excited. Can I tell you tonight our plan for global mission trips? Would you guys like to hear that or should I just keep it to myself? Okay. So uh, next year in 2019, our trips that we're going to be going on is we're going to go back to the very same places. We're going to go back to Cambodia and to Guatemala. And so there'll be our third time in Cambodia, and then it'll be our second time in Guatemala. But uh, we believe that God's like specifically partnered us with some organizations there that we're going to pour into. And so Guatemala is a medical missions trip again, which was amazing. I went on that one last uh, or this past summer, and then Cambodia, we're going back with the same organization doing some sports outreach on those trips. And so we're really pumped about those. Can I give you the dates for them? Yeah. Okay, so um, we're going to go to Cambodia the end of May. So we're going to give you guys time. I, uh, I think it's May, May 17th. Are you out of school? We checked calendars. May 17th? Okay. May 17th through the 29th. Now, that is different than this past year because this past year we did it for seven days. And some of the feedback we got back was like, dude, that wasn't long enough. It takes two days to fly there and two days to fly back. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we've extended that trip a little bit, which I know for some is difficult if you're working and all that kind of stuff. But we want to give you plenty of time to prepare for that because it's a powerful trip. And uh, being a part of what God's doing in other countries is unbelievable. And so we'd encourage you to be a part of that. Now, we're going to do something a little bit different with Guatemala. And something that I've been fighting for. And uh, I believe it's the right thing, but it also may cause a little tension. But I'm okay with that. If there's no tension, you're not leading. That's what they tell me. So here we go. We're going to go to Guatemala on spring break. And uh, I love this idea. I think it's awesome for you guys to spend your spring break doing something for the kingdom and not just blowing your money on dumb stuff and taking dumb pictures and being idiots. Um, we're going we're gonna to give you an opportunity 
to do something that advances the kingdom of God on your spring break, and then you come back from spring break and you're refreshed, ready to end your school year strong. It's going to be amazing. However, we have a few different schools represented in the room, and uh, that means we had to pick one, and I'm sorry, but we're going to go with GGC's spring break. (laughs) So uh, that is March 2nd through March 9th that we're going to go to Guatemala. And so if you go to UNG or another school that has the week after, then um, just take off the week before, skip classes, and you'll be fine. You get two weeks. Maybe, maybe don't do that. But um, anyways, hey, I'm super pumped that we get to do this together. And I'm telling you, um, as we get closer and closer, we're actually going to roll out sign-ups for Guatemala like next week because uh, that's coming up soon. And these trips, by the way, you don't pay for these trips on your own. It's not like it's coming out of your checking account um, unless you roll like that. That's cool. But um, you get to raise support and ask people to donate to these trips and help you go on that. And uh, people love to do that. So we're going to be rolling more details out, but I wanted to give you those dates. But here's what we believe. Living Scent is not a program. It is a calling. It is not what we do, it is who we are. We don't just go on mission trips and then come back and don't live sent. Living sent and having a heart for others outside of the walls is who we're called to be. It's not what we do, it's who we're called to be. And then the second way that I would invite you to serve, and uh, the second way I just want to kind of give you our heart for this coming year, is on Thursday nights. Obviously, what we do on Thursday nights, we believe is pretty um, crucial, and we believe that, that God wants to use Thursday nights to reach people all across our city, and um, I love what I heard one pastor say. He said that the church is not built on the talents of a few, but on the sacrifices of many, and it's true that what happens here on a Thursday night, what happens here in our community, in this ministry, is not built on the talents of a few people that get on stage but it's built on the sacrifices of many. And I want to to take an opportunity to introduce you to someone who I believe has, in my time of ministry, maybe sacrificed more than anyone that I've ever met. And so, Hassan, will you come up on stage? Um. He has no idea that I'm going to do this. Come up here in front of everybody. So uh, I've been talking to Hassan. Hassan has been serving here at C12 for quite a long time. And uh, I met up with him recently and just said, bro, like, are we going to keep doing this thing together or what? And he was like, man, I think I'm, I think I'm coming to kind of the end of my time at C12. He's an old man. He's like 37 years old. Um, not really, he's 25. Uh, but God's given him some really cool opportunities like with his career and some things that he's put on his heart that he's going to go after and, and uh, kind of go into the next season of life. And so um, I don't do this for everybody, but I felt like so many people are connected to Hassan. And uh, you've had an impact on so many people's lives that I wanted to publicly like first share with you, Hassan. I think uh, we, we talked about in like two weeks is going to be your last week with us. And so I want to give you guys plenty of time just to to thank him for what he's done and uh, his involvement in this ministry and just to talk to him, give him a hug and that kind of thing. But, dude, I just wanted to um, honor you publicly. And I said this to our leaders before our service, but I feel like I'm standing on your shoulders, really, 
So Hassan has been a part of C12 for six years. And um, his story is a radical story. He came from a family of a whole other religion. And so when he came to know Jesus, it was not a casual decision. And when he decided to follow Jesus, it was not like a, I'm going to be a convert. It was a, I'm committed to being a disciple of Jesus. And it wasn't easy for him, and it caused a lot of tension in his home and uh, a lot of things with his family that maybe, maybe you can ask him about. But um, Hassan, for six years, he's been a part of C12. And then four years ago was when you stepped into serving in small groups, is what you told me. And uh, in four years, he has missed one Thursday night. So four years, he's missed one Thursday night, and it was to be a groomsman in his friend's wedding. And so, uh, I don't know, I can't do the math, but that's a lot of Thursday nights, and uh, that's a lot of things that you've sacrificed to be a part of this. And what I love is it's not because you feel guilty, it's not because you feel like you had to, it's because you wanted to be a part of the mission, and you believe that's what God's called you to. And um, man, I just wanted to honor you publicly in front of everybody and say thank you. Because you are, to me, an example, a perfect example of what it means to pour into the church and to, uh, to be full in, committed. And just, you know, personally, I came to be the pastor at C12 um, about two, a little over two years ago. And as I was doing that, you know, I was like, who's going to go with me? Who's going to stay from the previous leadership and come with me? And it's a nerve-wracking time to come into something new and wonder who you got with you. And uh, Hassan's been there every step of the way. You've been there for me. And um, I'm grateful for you. And so I just wanted to honor you, man. I love you and I appreciate you. Um, can I get some keys behind me? That'd be good. I'm going to wrap up here. But I told you a few weeks ago that there are, um, there are 60,000, 60,000 18 to 25-year-olds in Gwinnett County, in the greater Gwinnett area. And um, that's a lot of people, 60,000. And uh, there are a lot of great churches. And what God's doing through the, all churches is unbelievable. I really believe a revival is going to break out and it's already beginning but I don't believe that all 60,000 are engaged with a church. And even worse, all 60,000 are in a relationship with Jesus, walking with him. I don't believe that all, I, I know all 60,000 of those have never experienced the rescuing hand of Jesus. Or many of those 60,000 have never experienced the rescuing hand of Jesus. And because of that, I believe we have a mission. Like, what we are a part of is not casual. What we get to be a part of it, we don't come into it. I don't wake up for work every day just going, oh, another day, another day at work. No, what we get to be a part of as the church is unbelievable. And until all 60,000 of those people have experienced the loving, rescuing hand of Jesus, I don't believe that we should let up whatsoever. In fact, I think we should keep pressing the gas pedal even harder going, we have a job to do. We have a mission to do. God's called us to something greater. Let's not just be a little Christian huddle and comes in and enjoys everything. We got people to reach. There are people who will die today and never experience 
the loving, rescuing hand of Jesus, and therefore we'll experience an eternity without him. And I think that ought to burden each and every one of us. That's not, that's not the burden that the pastor carries. That's the burden you carry. That's the burden we carry together as a group. So there's a mission before us, and it's not lighthearted. It's not casual. It's very intense. And so my invitation to you is, is just, how are you a part of the mission? I don't care if it's, if it's our mission, if it's another church's mission, but get a part of a mission to reach people. Because there's people dying without Jesus, and it's our responsibility to do something about it. And so I think we have a great mission ahead of us. And Thursday nights, what happens here on Thursday nights is the front door to that. What I mean by that is this. The majority of people who will come into this ministry will come on a Thursday night. They'll come for the first time. In fact, some of you may be in this room tonight. This is your first time in here. Because of that, here's what I know. What happens on Thursday night is of incredible importance. Because there will be people that walk in here who perhaps have never walked into a church before. Or maybe have left the church because they got hurt by the church. And perhaps for the very first time they've decided to come back. Which means this. The people they encounter, oh God, I hope that they carry the heart of God. I hope that the people that they encounter and the power that they experience is a reflection of the heart of God. Thursday night will either push them away even more or it will pull them in. And that's why I'm so passionate about making this a place where people feel welcome, where people feel at home. That's why when you walked in, you saw a big sign that said, welcome home. Because we believe in a home is where people feel loved, where they should feel loved, where they feel like they can let their guards down a little bit, where they feel like they're accepted for who they are. But it's also a place where people find their identity. And I think Thursday nights, this ministry, is a place where people will find who they are in Christ. They will find who they are, who they were made to be. Because that's a home. That's what a home does. But then a home doesn't just cradle you in. A home sends you out and says, Eventually, you got to go. Eventually, it's your time to leave. It's your time to go into the workforce full time. It's your time to, to be a father. Your time to be a husband or a mother or a wife or whatever you're going to do. It's your time. Now go. Now go. Go. That's what a home does. It sends you out. And I believe that's what God's called us to do. But it takes you. It takes you to make this place feel like home. It's not just me. It's not just people on stage that are talented. It takes you. And that's why when you walked in tonight, you saw some people on the bridge who waved at you, smiled at you, and said, hey, glad you're here. You saw people at the tent welcoming people who, if it was their first time here. You saw people holding doors, giving you bulletins. You've seen people up here leading that are not getting paid. They're just volunteering their time. You've seen people serving all night in order to make this place feel like a place, feel like home. And so I really believe it's the heart of God that you would serve, that you would serve his church. 
you would serve his people. And I don't care if it's here or somewhere else, but I want to call you to get involved in a mission, to be a part of the mission, to see God's kingdom come on this earth, and to see more people come into a loving relationship with Jesus. Because we need it now more than ever. And there are people hurting and people dying without him. And I think it's not my responsibility to do it. It's our responsibility to get them. So I want to, you know, we have, I have them all listed here. I don't want to go through them. We have a couple different ways that you can serve here on a Thursday night. And um, if you're interested, I'd love to have you. I told some people beforehand uh, as we were praying for tonight, I really, I hate being salesman pastor. I don't, I just, it feels gross to be like a car salesman and try and convince you to do this and do that. That's not my job. I don't want to do that. Um, my hope is that you would just be so compelled by the mission of Jesus that you can't stay away from it. And so as a team, we're just going to offer you a few opportunities to jump in. Um, but whether it's with us or someone else, I want to challenge you to take your next step to grow and to serve. To grow and to serve. And I believe when you do that, God will use it and do something great. And so I'm going to ask the band to come back up and we're going to continue in worship. But I want you to know this, that as we get into this kind of new year and a new belief in what God wants to do through us together, I'm asking God to do the impossible. I'm asking God to do something that I can't even imagine, that I can't even like conjure up in my mind. I'm asking God to to really begin to transform you in a way that you've never experienced. I'm asking God to, to bring stories to life of people who are without hope, who now have a hope, of people who have found themselves shackled by anxiety and depression and now have freedom, of people who walked in here with a suicidal spirit and they've been set free because now they have a purpose for life. I'm asking God to do things that I don't even have in my mind right now. Do the impossible. I believe he wants to do it because he's a faithful God. He's been faithful in the past and he'll be faithful in the future. I believe it. And so I'd love it if you joined in that prayer as well. If you want to see that happen, if you want to see God do that in your circle, if you want to see God bring people from your school, you want to see God bring people from your work, your wherever, wherever he's put you on map on mission, that we join in that prayer together, we'd see God do the impossible. Can we do that? Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to pray for us. So God, we love you. Thank you that you are a God of impossible things. A God that wants to make the impossible possible. You are a God who is not intimidated by the impossible. Thank you that you are a God who's not intimidated by dirty people. You're not a God who's intimidated by people who don't have it all together. You're not a God who's intimidated by people who have even gone away from you, who have cursed you. Thank you that you would welcome us all in. And Father, I pray that you would do something with this group. God, stir a passion in our hearts to see something fresh and anew, to see you do something that we couldn't even imagine. And Lord, I ask that you would give us a burden. Give us a burden to pray. Give us a burden to seek your face. Give us a burden to see things that were once impossible. See them come to pass. 
Lord, we love you. Thank you for the mission before us. Would you bring your kingdom down to this earth? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.